Yeah, my name's Paul Hedeman, alcoholic. Hey, Paul. I've been sober about 24 years now, UAA. And uh, this is a 28-day program. Yes. Which is the most important day? First day. The 29th day, actually. Because I spent two years in a program called Delancey Street in San Francisco from 85 to 87. Uh, they didn't have AA or anything there. But uh, when I left there, I didn't have any bridge to a new way of life. And as soon as I got out of there, uh, out up from underneath their roof, I remember that irritability, restlessness, and discontent came back. <coughs> Started running and advertising about what I'd been missing for two years. It wasn't specific about like getting shot at and run over by cars. It was more about a romantic, lot of sort of magical. Uh, adventures I was having, but I bought that that thing and I drove to a bar in San Francisco called the Rose and Thistle. I don't know if you ever heard of that. It was in California and Polk. We used to call it the Nose and Sniffle back then. And uh, <laughs> I on with this idea. See, I spent two years in Delancey Street. And what I came up with was my problem was narcotics, which was true. But I made a little amendment, which is I could probably drink. Now, I just never ran this by anyone in the program. I just sort of filed it away. And it came up this night. I got irritable, restless, and discontent. And I got into my little Toyota Corolla, and which I was going to lose three nights later. And I drove to the bar and uh, went in. And I ordered a beer. And uh, nothing happened. Like, the A police didn't rush in. Nothing occurred. I started drinking that first beer. And... Uh, it was great. It seemed to be great. And I ordered another one. And halfway through the second beer, it wasn't enough for me. So uh, I started looking around the room to see if anyone was still selling more, you know, whatever more is for you. And uh, the same dealer that used to sell more was there. He probably has a franchise, I'd imagine. He's probably still there if they had the place. And I bought some more, and I went out to my car. And I did a line of more, and it was like that movie, The Shining, when Jack Nicholson comes through that bathroom door at the end, you know. Here's Johnny. It was just mm -hmm. like that. I was possessed again. You know, I had, the possession had been kept at bay for two years in that program. But as soon as I left that program, it was up and running again. And I went on a 10-month run from that night on. And uh, if you've ever been on a run, you're usually walking pretty quickly and then crawling and then, you know. <laughs> Picking up limps and abscesses and missing teeth. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> I finally washed up in a trailer park in Calistoga. I, I left San Francisco on St. Patrick's Day to go out, and I ended up in Calistoga four days later. And uh, I didn't know, I was with some guy I didn't know. I never saw him. I just, we were waiting for like a mutual acquaintance. And uh, I was drinking some bo a bottle of Royal Gate vodka. I don't know if you know the Royal Gate. Do you? It's like 90 cents a pint at that time. And uh, it was funny. I liked their customer service because knowing their clientele, they switched from glass to plastic. You know what I mean? It, you, your night would be ruined when you used to drop it. Now it just bounces back. <laughs> so I was looking at this guy drinking and passing this bottle back and forth. And um, I looked at him, and he had a big bulbous nose and varicose veins on his face. And I said to myself, this guy's a bum, you know. And lo and behold, he was looking back at me like I was a bum. And that was the moment of clarity for me. 
And the thing is, I didn't come to recovery really by a bottom. I had had many bottoms, and when I had a bottom, I basically moved into it, you know, furnished it and asked you over. And I keep getting evicted to lower bottoms, but I didn't know how low I could go. It just it seemed like it was I could go as low as it ever was. So um, I was just sitting there trying to get stay high, drunk, until I could get some drugs. And uh, something occurred. My mind stopped for about three minutes. That I call it selfing, you know, that little narration going on in your head that we listen to, like the Greek oracle, you know, that little voice. And it stopped, and I didn't know it could stop tell you the truth but something happened and it stopped and some information downloaded and the information was like a cnn news flash there was no story just a headline and the headline was i'm fucked you know (laughs) now people who knew me knew i'd been fucked for quite a while but this was like news to me because the biggest one of the biggest things we have is this muscle of denial like arnie schwarzenegger's we can keep out a huge amount of information (laughs) and suddenly that whole system collapsed and I realized how bad it was. Uh, and you know what? An immediate result occurred. I didn't pick up that bo- bottle again. And I decided, I walked out and I made a phone call to Delancey Street. Now, five minutes before this, I wasn't thinking about ever talking to Delancey Street again. But when this information downloaded, some, uh, all this started to occur. And I called up Delancey Street, and I asked them if I could come back. And they said, no, they've been getting my newsletter for the last 10 months. And they said, uh, no, you can come back in a month for an interview. That doesn't mean you're going to get in. So I said the first honest thing I basically said for 10 months, and that is, I don't think I have a month. You know, I felt like I was something was really going to be terminal this time. You know, So I called up a woman who I used to uh, party with, and I asked her to come up and pick me up. And I must have sound humble enough, so she bought it. She drove up from San Francisco. It takes about an hour and a half. In that hour and a half, I had a miraculous alcoholic recovery. I wanted to get loaded again. Yeah. So I, I had no money, so I get in the car, and I'm trying to talk her into buying a six-pack of Talls, getting some Coke, getting the dirty magazines, renting the hotel room, you know. And I think she had followed that equation with me many times, hadn't been that satisfying. So she said, no, we're not going to do that tonight, Paul. She says, do you want to have a place to stay? And that's what I did with Delancey Street. I walked in there looking for a place to stay, and I made a two-year commitment. So she's asking me for a place to stay, and I go, yeah, I really need a place to stay. She says, you got to go to an AA meeting. Now, this seemed like incredible progress from two years to an hour. So I said, yeah. So she took me in my first meeting, March 21st, 1988, and uh, I've been sober and clean ever since. Now, what happens... With me is that first step. It's got to be clear that to me the active ingredient of alcoholism isn't drinking anymore. It's managing. Yeah. It's wanting to control. It's playing God in a sense. And so that's the active disease that I have now. The drinking I haven't had anything for 24 years. So in a sense the problem doesn't exist for me anymore. Yeah. But the only time it can exist as me is when I'm managing. Yeah, when I'm, th- I'm playing, it's like when you wake up in the morning and you think you know how the day's going to be. You don't have a fucking clue how the day's going to be. Yeah, but you think you do. Or you think you're going to be have cancer three weeks from now or something like that. And we believe this stuff, which is actually not happening, and it produces an effect now. It makes us feel uncomfortable in a very, let's say, comfortable environment. And as soon as we feel uncomfortable long enough, we're going to want relief. And, you know, they talk about surrender in AA. Well, the surrender to the disease of alcoholism 
is usually matched with a statement called fuck it, yeah? It may bring it to you right away, or it may work a week or two of advertising, but basically it wants to bring you to a point where you'll say fuck it. And once you say fuck it, it has all the solutions that it wants to drop in on you. And the thing is, alcoholism can't drink. Yeah. It needs you. It needs you as the host to pick up the beer. Yeah, You can't shoot up. Alcoholism can't shoot up. But it needs you to get the fuel in. It's like, have you ever heard of a thing called candida? You know, Candida is something that lives in the intestines, right? In most people. It actually gets throughout the whole bloodstream. And candida likes white flowery products. It gets, they turn into sugar really quickly. And that's what they eat. Yeah? And it's very weird how a lot of people who have candida love bagels. They love Wonder Bread. Yeah? And they're obviously thinking they're the one that loves it. But that candida can't go out and shop. So it, it jacks into your thinking and tells you you want to have a bagel. Yeah? As soon as you eat the bagel, that's its fuel. The same thing with alcoholism. Alcoholism cannot be taken a picture of. You can't see it in an x-ray. It's a mental disease, yeah? So it jacks into our thought system, and it starts running advertising to lead us to a point of saying, fuck it. And against all evidence to the contrary, we make the decision to go for it, yeah? It's unbelievable. To me, alcoholism is like a parasite. Yeah? You're the host, Sometimes the parasite sounds like it's trying to convince you, yeah? You're sitting there and you're sober and it's telling you, man, this really sucks in Alta Beta or whatever. I can't wait to get out and have some fun, whatever it may say, yeah? So it sounds like it's trying to convince you. So it's sort of like a jockey and you're the horse. Now, you've been ridden by that jockey many times. So when you see it walking up to you, you get worried, yeah? Woo, you know, you start shaking and you start kicking the stall and everything. But it starts, it talks to you soothingly. Don't worry, it'll be different this time. This time it's going to be great. And then slowly it puts its leg up over you, and now it's on you. Now it's not talking as if it's trying to convince you, it's talking as you. It's taken over. Once the possession is taken over, you're on a run. No one's going to thwart that run until you're burnt out. You're not going to hear any news about recovery while you're loaded, yeah? So to me, it's a possession. It's a, it's a parasite. And the parasitical tendency, if you had a big bug land on your arm right now, what would you do? You'd immediately throw it off, yeah? You'd probably yell and go like this. There would be no thinking, oh, I should knock that bug off. It would just be a quick reaction. So this is like a parasite. Anyone who's been taken over by it hasn't had a very nice time. Yes, It's very hostile, isn't it? It's a very nasty parasite. It ruins your life at a drop of a hat. So here it is, this parasite. The host would naturally want to throw it off. So the parasite has a great strategy. It convinces the host that you're the parasite. Yeah, You take it to be that, which it's telling you you are. Yeah. So the last thing you can do is, is entertain that you can be free of it because you're identified as it. See, in recovery, they talk about obsession with self is the root of the problem. I don't believe that's the case. I believe it's identification as a self. Yeah? In other words, you have a feeling and many thoughts about you. <coughs> yeah? When anything happens, it's a feeling that it's you that it's happening to. I would say that you is a foreign installment. That's what I would say. Yes. As long as I'm taking it to be me, the best thing I can do is get therapy for it, maybe socialize it, maybe see if I don't act out at the next picnic so I can at least have a good July 4th, <laughs> and like that. Very, very meager ideas of success. Yeah. 
But if I'm not that, I can be free of it. If you're that, you'll be free as it, which is bondage of self. Because this idea of being free is usually to get loaded, and that usually gets you in bondage, eh? either out there or not. Like when I first drank, immediately I realized I had magnetic appeal to people in uniform. As soon as I drank, I got arrested, and it followed me ever since I started to drink. As soon as I drank, uniformed people were very attracted to me. (laughs) So here you are. This parasite has you. Now you're thinking about freedom, but as that. You're thinking about peace, but as that. You're thinking about relief, but as that, which is the bondage of self. Yeah? The whole point is, if I'm not, I can be free of it. Once I can entertain, I can be free of it. Watch what happens. The freedom starts becoming dominant. It becomes obvious to the point where the problem doesn't exist for you anymore because it doesn't exist as you anymore. Like this. Monday, you have a problem, yeah? There's a problem. Maybe you're not feeling good, so something seems to be a problem. Tuesday, you're feeling pretty good. The same thing doesn't seem to be a problem. Wednesday, you're not feeling good. It's a problem again. What is it? Is it a problem or isn't it a problem? Or are you giving it the meaning it has? Based on your condition, that's how you see things, yes? Based on your condition, that's how you see things. Yeah? So you and I are giving everything the meaning it has. So in the big book of AA, in one of the, in one of the forewords, it says, we are a hundred men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. If it was a hopeless state of mind and body, there wouldn't be this place. If it was a hopeless state of mind and body, there would be no recovery from it. It's a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Seemingly means it appears to be true or false to us. You and I are giving this everything the meaning it has. Just as we're sitting right now, you and I are giving everything all the meaning it has. This is called a subjective experience. That's why you and I can see the same thing and yet have a different experience of it. Because it's not that which we're experiencing is the most influence. It's who's experiencing it. Yeah? Now, let's say if selfing is the, the root of alcoholism is identification as self. If self-centeredness is taken to be you, then all the meaning that life is, has for you is being given from self-centeredness. How do you like it? You've been fed on it for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. It's not going to change. Your, your possibility of being okay is in time. I will be okay or I was okay. If you think you're going to be okay or you were okay, it's pissing on right now. Yeah. It's such a drag when you assume you're un-okay to believe that you were once okay and you will be okay. It makes it freaking worse, doesn't it? This is the whole idea. How can you walk away from something as that something? So my experience in alcoholism, the drinking and the using were obviously a symptom. Yes? Then the second part was the most important part, the managing. So it says in the first step, it says, you, uh, we were powerless over alcohol and our lives had become unmanageable. It sort of sounds like the unmanageability is based on the alcoholism. Yeah? If you read it, at least the way I read it, it sounded like, oh... I was powerless over alcohol, and that caused my unmanageability. But I like a lot better on the, at the end of how it works, where it says the A, B, and C. 
And you have to be convinced of these things before and after your sobriety will convince you of these things. That first, you're alcoholic and you cannot manage your own life. Now, that sounds much more uh, realistic to me than my unmanageability was an effect of a cause. Because when I stopped drinking and using, my unmanageability was still in place. My solution to the unmanageability was to drink. My first solution to my own alcoholism was to get high. I felt irritable, restless, and discontent. And that became my imperative. I needed relief. Society, all they offered me was punishment. They said, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to go to jail. But the alcoholic of my type is unwilling to pay any consequence tomorrow not to feel uncomfortable now. It doesn't matter what the fuck I believe is going to happen to me. I feel bad now. I want relief. This is the imperative. This is the demand. Now, how can I get relief from something if I take myself to be that something I need relief from? Self cannot get out of self. So it says we are not people with problems. We are the problem. How could you be the problem and get finally, get finally get relief from it? Some people kill themselves. Yeah, They don't usually shoot themselves in the elbow or the knee. They shoot themselves in the head because they want to discontinue listening to K-Paul. You know? They want that radio station just spotted out. Yeah. There is a solution. That's the beautiful thing of it. If it's seemingly a hopeless state of mind and body, and that seemingly is, it is it's appearing to be true or false to me, that if I change that me, then what was once false may seem true, and what was once true may seem false. Yes? If I change where I'm looking at, some, where I'm looking at things from, I'm going to change the things I'm looking at. Yeah? If I can just have a shift, not change the world, but change my take on things, and for me... I've been fed self-centeredness for so long, and its possibilities are so minimal. And it's never like you're okay now, you may will be okay, based on tons of little hoops it puts up, and it adds hoops all the time. Yeah? So for me, the 28-day program, the 29th day is the most important thing. Because I'll tell you, if you're unarmed with some understanding of alcoholism, you're overmatched. You're overmatched. It's going to lead you back to what was the solution when you, before you came in here. It's going to lead you back to the same solution. It doesn't come up with any new ones. Yeah? But if you have a change of mind and a change of heart, and it doesn't matter how great the program is, it won't work without willingness. You, know? you can have the most incredible path to liberation, and if someone's reluctant to follow it, it ain't going to happen. Yeah? You and I play a huge part in this experience of recovery. Like it says in physics, the biggest influence of any experiment is the observer of it. You and I are the biggest influence of our life. Yeah. So AA provided me a way of life that diminishes the mental condition. So that another condition that's available, if you want to call it a spiritual condition, starts rising. It becomes more obvious in your life. And that influence of the spiritual condition tends to chill out the mental condition and allows the physical condition to get what it needs. Yeah. 
Right now, the mental condition, it's like you see those dogs when they have mange, they put those little things. Everyone, if we could get an energetic picture of everyone here, we're walking around with those cones. We're all up in what's not happening. Constantly. We're dwelling in something that once happened and what we think will happen. But that ain't happening. Yeah. And where does most of your fear come from? It's not even fear, it's anxiety. It's worrying about something that's not happening. Yeah? What's the solution to that? Realize it's not happening. What more do you need to do? If I was a therapist and my job was to work with people about what's not happening, first of all, I'd be out of business quickly, but the sessions would be like one minute. They'd come in and start spieling about what's not happening, and I'd say, hey, that's not happening. Well, what are we going to do about it? Nothing. Why? It's not happening. That's the whole point. You go back, your mind wants to, your mind lives in a mental realm, right? In selfing. It only goes from the past to the future. If you look at your thought system, it doesn't give much value to now, does it? You're mostly concerned with somehow, somewhere, somewhere. And how does it picture you, the thought system? Does it picture you as a spirit or as a body? As a body, yeah. If you listen to that thought system, if you listen to K-Paul, like a devotional station, yes, you're going to have a lot of anxiety. Because you're going to believe in thoughts that are about what's not happening. Yet, it will produce an effect in what's happening to you right now. Yeah? You'll be contracted when there's no need to be contracted. You'll be racing, your mind will be racing, yet there's no threat whatsoever. Yeah. This is the whole point, is realize your role in it. Take responsibility. It's your mind that's seeing things as they are. Yeah? Now, Right now, most of our minds have been taken over to some level or another by alcoholism or addiction. But that can be dismissed, either slowly or quickly, and then the mind can see anew. Yeah. I just lost interest in me. That's what happened. Yeah. I was hoping I'd be there when it got good, but I realized the reason why it's not good is I'm here. You know? <laughs> really. And it was a drag in a way, because I really was hoping I'd be here when it got good. But <laughs> the two things can't happen at the same time. So <laughs> I've seen this whole thing that's driving me crazy as a foreign installment, and somehow that caused it not to drive me crazy anymore. Yeah? I saw thoughts as thoughts. First, I saw them as alcoholic thoughts. I'd come to meetings for months. And I have this huge sense of terminal uniqueness, you know? No one can understand me, and no one feels the way I feel. No one thinks the way I think. No one's done what I've done. It's such bullshit, telling you. But, uh, so I'd sit in there, and I'd be listening to people, and I'd listen to them, and I, after a few months, I realized there's only two conclusions I can come up with. How did they get my thoughts, my feelings, and my reactions? Or they're not my thoughts, my feelings, and my reactions. And in this room, if you're alcoholic, I don't identify with who you are. I identify with what's taking you over. That's what I identify with because I've been taken over by that same quality, that same parasite. And so when you describe what it's like to live under the parasite, I identify because I've lived under that parasite. The thing that you are that isn't the... You'll never be free if, it's, if you're the problem. 
If you're the problem, you're going to be working on yourself forever. You're going to be like a, an eternal urban renewal project. You know, <laughs> that mind won't leave, give up. In a, it'll be on your ass all fucking day. Yeah. But if you're not that, you lose interest in it. That's the good. That's the that's the freedom. You lose interest in yourself and you gain interest in others. It's not something you can do because if you try to lose interest in yourself, that would be a self-obsession, wouldn't it? So, you know, you can take a two-year class on getting out of the obsession with self, but that would be obsession with self. So self can't get out of self. But if you're not self, that's the experience of being out of self. Yeah. But if you try to get out of self as a self, that's actually a form of being in self. Yeah. You go to groups where the whole point is, the whole idea is to get out of self, but they talk about self the most, yeah? They're more engaged with self than the people who are walking around the streets, you know what I mean? (laughs) The thing is, you just lose interest in it, and you don't lose interest. You have plenty of interest. You know, I have plenty of attention. I didn't run out of attention. Today's Wednesday. I spent all my attention for the week. Now I'm just going to... Watch TV for four days until Monday comes. I get the new download. No, there's tons of attention, tons of it, tons of interest. What you do is you lose it in things. Yeah, the attention has an expression or a manifestation here by the vehicle it's put in. So if your attention is to the mental condition, to the thought system, the thought system is going to be occupied by there and then, and you're basically going to basically going to be out to lunch. And when you're out to lunch, anything can fucking happen. Anything can happen in what's not happening. You can have cancer. You can be broke. You can be this. You can be that. Yeah? Whatever your mind can come up with, it can think about. But there is something that is going on here. Right? Now, it doesn't have all the qualities of what's not happening. But it has one quality what's not happening doesn't have. And that is it's happening. Yeah? (laughs) That quality of it's happening is able, is able, if you are here, really present here, which I don't believe you cannot be, yeah? I don't believe you and I need to get into the moment. I, I, I would start questioning the belief you can be out of a moment. <laughs> because you haven't been out of any moment of your own life. Not one. Not one. Without you, there wouldn't be a moment. Yeah? But this whole idea of trying to get into the moment is presupposing the belief that you can be out of the moment. I don't believe that. Just like when I was a kid, when I was playing, I wasn't worrying about next week because I had no idea of next week. And when I was playing, I was playing because I couldn't entertain I could be doing anything else. Yeah, This is the type of mind you can go back to. Just tell the truth. You're here, which is an incredible thing, and we're all in the in the in the solution. No matter what your head is saying, yeah. No matter what your head is saying, oh, I don't, I don't really give a shit about this. It doesn't matter. Don't listen to the fucking head. Yeah. You hear it, but why follow it? Why I followed it was because I thought it was about me. When I entertained, I'm not that. I lost interest in the thought system. So now I hear it, but I don't listen to it. It's incredible. So I'm here because I can't be anywhere else. I don't try to get out of self because I can't be in self. So this happened to me like my 10th year of sobriety. So then I started doing workshops. I've been doing them for three since I was three years sober, a fourth set workshop. And what this was sort of hit me when I was reading the book 
because I, I taught this workshop out of how it works every week, every Monday for 19 years. And then I, my mind had changed, and then I, I read the same chapter and everything looked different. So there's this one statement on page 64 that had a huge impact on me. It says, it's right about before the inventory process. Yeah. It goes, the third paragraph, it says, being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us. Yeah. So convinced means to believe with certainty. Yeah. So it says, being convinced that self, yeah, let's say this parasitical tendency, this foreign installment, self, manifesting in all these ways is what has defeated us. So he's saying, you're not that. Yeah? Being convinced that self manifests in all these ways why it's defeated us, we will now look at its common manifestations. Its meaning self. Yeah? Then the next paragraph is resentment. So in a way, you could look at the fourth step inventory as I'm chunk on the inventory, the, con- the grosser expressions of self in my life. Yeah? Not yours, not your expressions. That's the bondage of self. When self manifests in my life and causes me to see something as a threat and I resent it, yeah? Or to feel occupied by what's not happening so I'm anxious about it, yeah? Those are expressions of self. Why would I call them mine? Why would I call them mine if they're not? I must be identified as that which is expressing I must be taking myself to be that idea of self. Or I wouldn't keep calling its expressions my expressions. And I'm telling you, it's a huge difference. If you had a word here, money, here. I'm not that good at this, but money. Yeah. Sex. Maybe sex again. I don't know. And then uh, health. Okay? You have to, so everyone has a meaning. You can when you see this word, there's a reaction. Yeah, you say money. Maybe you don't have any. It's a stronger reaction. Maybe if you feel that you go, oh, I have a lot, then you have a, you're chilled out. Yeah. So it has an effect. Sex and then health. Let's change the whole weight of it. All right, with one little word. My money. Hugely different, isn't it? You'll kill someone if they fuck with your money, won't you? (laughs) (laughs) Sex. Sex. My sex. My health. I'm totally consumed about that. Your health? I don't really care. But my health. My this. My is the act of being identified. My is the, the claiming of everything as yours. And what's claiming it isn't you. That's why the thoughts drive you crazy because they're held as my thought. If, they, if you had someone else's thoughts running through your head right now, you'd have immunity to them. Just like if you came over right here and you were flipping out about what's not happening, you could sit super close to me and it wouldn't, I, couldn't, I wouldn't pick it up. There would be, I wouldn't get a, it's not contagious, yes? Because I would see it as yours, so I'd have immunity to it. Yeah? The same thoughts that were driving you crazy, if I was having them here and held, holding them as mine, they'd probably drive me crazy. It's not the thought, it's the my. Yeah? It's not the problem, it's the my problem. Let's say there's dirty problems, but there's only one who has them. I would say that's the bigger problem. The one who has them. Yes? All the thoughts, there's the one thinker. That's the biggest thought of all. 
once a thought is held as yours, it's sort of like when you're at a park and you have 30 kids and your kid's there. Where does your interest go to? Your kid, yeah? The same thing with thoughts. If they're your thoughts, your interest and attention goes there. And then it gets dragged into time. And then you're thought about. And it pictures you as a body somewhere else at some other time. And it tells tons of stories. And a lot of them don't look like they're going to be too good. So you start feeling that irritability and unease. And you want to do something about it. And we're all pretty much one-trick ponies. Sooner or later, it's going to lead to fuck it. And we're going to get loaded. 80 days here, 10 days here, 2 years in Delancey Street. There's no immunity to it, to the takeover. Yeah. <coughs> something has to be diminished the mental condition and the spiritual condition needs to be to be allowed to become obvious it, you don't need to have a spiritual condition I believe you are one you need to diminish the mental condition once the mental condition is di- diminished things become clear red is red and blue is blue you know something is not good for you and you have the balls and the power to follow through on not doing it yeah so AA, I see, I feel, has a huge amount of grace. How many times did you decide not to drink or get loaded, and you did? Yeah, lots of times, right? You had no power behind you when you made that decision, did you? But now you can make that same decision in AA, and you'll have power to be sober for 24 years. The dilemma is you have no power. You're being sucked dry by this parasite. You're taking yourself to be the parasite, and you're in an incredible loop of wanting relief and that relief causing consequences that bring you more misfortune you don't feel you deserve, and then there's more need to get relief, and then you make decisions that set off more consequences that bring you misfortune you feel you don't deserve, and then you want more relief, and the same old, same old keeps going. Yeah. There's no way out. But if you can surrender and truly admit to your innermost self that you're fucked, yeah? <laughs> when that, that, uh, there's a grace that's available that when you decide not to drink, you'll probably not drink. You've got some mojo behind you now, yeah? And for me, I've had a lot of momentum behind me for 24 years, and now I'm like a free-range alcoholic. <laughs> I can't cross a couple of lines, but I have a very large life, yeah? If I shot some coke in the bathroom now, first of all, I'd never come back to this room. <laughs> I'd go to the nurses' quarters and try to find some syringes, probably, whatever would happen. And all bets would be off. But as long as I don't cross those little boundaries, I'm free range. Yeah. The problem doesn't exist for me. I don't work at it. Um, it's like I was placed in a position of neutrality with no thought or effort on my part. Yeah. My mind just moved. It got recalibrated. A little bit out of self-centeredness, and let's say now it's in centeredness. It's a lot different. It's the same mind. It's just not coming from a pinpointed thing called you. Yeah? So if you're not that, then you can be free of it. Isn't that fucking great news? I think so. If I stop calling the thoughts mine, I may travel lighter with them. Yeah? That's what I found. If the mind drops out of your life, instead of, you know, with the mind all day, maybe we're used to drive, you know, traveling around with 50 pounds on our back every day. We've been doing it for so long, we don't know the difference. We don't realize, we don't entertain the possibility we could take that knapsack off. But I'll tell you, if you drop that mind, and then you started traveling with like a couple of ounces all day, you'd be traveling lighter, yeah? 
And if you're traveling lighter, you probably won't have any desire to get loaded because you'll be you'll have what that desire to get loaded is promising you. You will have some relief and some contentment in one's life. Yeah. I mean, what changed me? Was I a junk, junkie addict and now I'm a sober person? I was neither. I'm just a possibility. Yeah. One parasitical mental movement took me over and I was an expression of that. Now another power of mind's taken me over and I'm an expression of that. That's all I am, really. And whatever has me, I express that, that occupation. So right now, quote-unquote, the spirit has me, so I express that occupation. Before, it was the parasite of alcoholism and I expressed that, that occupation. Yeah. So you have any questions or what? Yeah. Do you still go to AA? I do. I go to I go to a lot of meetings. I see. I like. There's a tradition in AA that says tradition two. It says there's a loving God that will express itself through our group conscience. I sense a presence at most meetings. Yeah. And you can take. Let's say everyone in this room is an asshole individually, but if you put all these assholes together in the right format, there's like a sweet perfume gets produced. Yeah, I think that's that loving God or that grace. I do, and I still like going. I still enjoy that. And then I listen to people. I listen, and I can sort of tell where they're coming from, and I realize I don't want to come from there. Yeah. So I have a recognition of the problem. And I can learn from other people's mistakes now. I don't. Where before I couldn't learn from my own mistakes. Now I can learn from others. It's much nicer. Yeah. Where do you go to In Marin County, San Francisco. But I live in Marin actually. I go basically three meetings a week or so, maybe even four. Yeah, I enjoy them, and I have a couple of sponsees, and then I do I do talks, you know. Yeah, I have a question. Yeah. Why should one observation? I go to a lot of, or I've gone to a lot of NA meetings, and one thing that's kind of funny is um, sometimes instead of talking about the topic, people will quote-unquote get current, or will get current after they've talked about the topic. And it's just kind of funny to see people get sort of all involved in their stories and, like, all the stuff that's going on. And I notice that if I start listening really close to the story, then I start getting all involved in the story, too. So I don't know. it's just an interesting observation. Hmm. And my question was, um, so in early sobriety, how did you remind yourself not to buy into the advertising that you were still getting? The, in the early sobriety, the worst time was in the morning when I woke up. I woke up with a lot of anxiety because I guess I felt like I was under the, the old managerial team. <laughs> <laughs> I usually would be in a lot of trouble by 9 o'clock at night. So I was really terrified. And so I did this thing for five... I did it... Uh, as soon as I woke up, I combined the first three steps, and I did a little prayer. I said, my name is Paul. I'm an alcoholic and an addict. I'm powerless over alcohol. My life's unmanageable. I've come to believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity and then make a decision today to turn my will and my life under the care of that power. Yeah. And then that would chill me out, and then I'd realize I'm in recovery, and then the day I'd pursue the day. Now, I did that for five years straight. Every day, no matter where I was, the first thing. And then I'd stop one day, and I'd never had to do it again. Yeah? Because I don't have that anxiety anymore when I wake up. See, this is, you know, like, the disease is progressive, but also the recovery is progressive. Yeah? When your mind starts coming out of 
that there's no limit to how far out of it it can come. When it comes out of the addiction or the parasitical nature, you, there's no way to know how far out it can go. You can really have a radical freedom from what was dominating. You know, your being here is, a, is an expression or a demonstration of the domination of that aspect in your head. Yeah. Obviously. My life, two years in Delancey Street, three years of Project Return in the Bronx, they were demonstrations that I had been taken over severely. I, had, I didn't have no, there was no free range in my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was basically on one square of the game board. <laughs> and the go-to-jail cards were, were like confetti dropping in to my life. So, you know, you have to see... If you can follow back, because there's a simple description, it says uh, in the fear inventory, it's very clear. It says, why are you in so much fear today? So just sit there and maybe entertain that. Why are you in so much fear today, if you are? And it doesn't let you come up with your own answer. It has a period and goes, isn't it because its self-reliance has failed you? Yeah. So when I am relying on self, and you can't rely on self more than be it, that's the highest form of reliance to become identified as what you're relying with. Yeah? So self-centeredness is an unreliable system. It's not going to work. Yeah? You've been over every inch of it. You've followed every one of its possibilities. It's not going to come up with any new stuff. You're just gonna. It's sort of like you run around the same track, and all that happens is it changes the scenery around the track, but it's the same track. Yeah. Were you depressed when you first came out? I think I was so numbed out. It took a while because I just, you know, I was just gone. I had gone so in to my head. I was very disassociated, and thank God, AA doesn't really. Uh, peer into you so quickly. It's very anonymous, so I could just sit around and I started to thaw out over time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you're at your weakest point, do you ever feel like strong that you're you know, doing something better for yourself? Oh, definitely. The type of person I am is I do better when I'm identified with something greater than myself. And so. thing is, uh, when you did hit your strong point, did you feel greater than being strong, like invincible when you well, the weird thing is, the invincibility comes from your admittance of powerlessness, really. It goes sort of the opposite way. When I admit that I'm powerless, that's when I have power. When I try to exert power, that's when I experience powerlessness, yeah? People aren't going to do what I want them to do. Things aren't going to go my way. But when I admit that I'm powerless, I never experience powerlessness. Yeah, I have power. So in a way, the invincibility comes from the not. It comes from the admittance of powerlessness, yeah? because I'm relying on an aspect of mind that works. You know, it's been working for 24 years, so I have faith in it because of it. It delivers the goods, and it doesn't have any advertising. It's sort of like if you had a. Let's say you're. Let's say there's a furniture store, yeah, and you deliver furniture. And you've never missed a delivery. You're always on time. The piece is never damaged, yes? Would you need any excuses, rationales, or blame in that business? You wouldn't, would you? So when, if your head is full of excuses, rationale, and blame, 
It's because it's relying on a failed system, self-centeredness. Yeah, it can't deliver the goods. It can't. It can't. It cannot provide a happiness, joyousness, and freedom for you. It's a failed system. So to rely on it, you're just going to. It's it's like that definition of insanity. You're going to keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Yet you won't get different results. Dif- you'll get different, but not. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) they'll be worse usually, but yeah. So I like that idea of see. I don't. I didn't come here to manage better. I just admit that I'm not managerial (coughs) quality. Yeah, that's been my solution. Seriously, and I haven't changed from that. I can't handle this place. You know, when I was young, my uh, grandmother and my father died when I was nine, and. it was just way too much for me to handle, so I was, I went in. I remember I was I had the same nun when I they died very close together, so I was out of school for a while. So I had a sister Marie Neal, and I'd be here, and she was like where this lady is. And then when I got came back to school, I was in the same seat, but now I was millions of miles away. Mm-hmm. I was so sucked up the ass of self. <laughs> uh, and then it was not that long after that I got started getting loaded, and that was that, you know. Because to me, my solution to alcoholism was drinking and doing drugs. I needed relief. And it worked, but the consequences don't. And in, in, and in the long run, it doesn't work. Yeah, You actually feed the beast you like to get freedom from. So, Yeah, I didn't know if I was going to make it, to tell you the truth. After two years of Delancey Street, I was pretty disappointed when I got loaded again. And it was worse than ever. And I was really washed up, and I had no hope. I really didn't. I figured I was just going to keep trying to get loaded until the next time I parked at those three doors, you know, institution, jails, or death. I was inevitably going to park there. But I, while I wasn't, I was just going to get high, just stay as high as I could, but just, which is difficult when you don't have any money. You know? <laughs> that, was sort of a, that was sort of a little bit of a drag because at the end of my career, I didn't have much money because I had just burnt every bridge, you know. Yeah, it's a fucking, it's an intense parasite, man. It will just eat you, and you're you're lucky if you die early. You know what I mean? <laughs> you are. A lot of addicts and alcoholics. The parasite only has the one host. It ain't letting you go. <laughs> it wants to use you for transportation for quite a while. <laughs> I see. I used to live in the hate when I first was sober in the city, and I go back there, and the same people on the street are still there. They got the abscesses, limps, no teeth, but they're still they're still living, you know. They're drinking every day, and I'll tell you, you sometimes you'd be lucky if you died early. Yeah. It may not have that plan for you. Don't happen. Hmm? Don't happen. No, it's a powerful fucker. <laughs> it is, and you need a power greater than it. You know, if you ever looked at power out, even in the world, the only thing power respects is other power. Yeah, it doesn't give a shit about morals or anything like that. It doesn't. Power just, the only thing it respects is other power. And that's the only thing that parasite will respect is when a power greater than it is introduced. And I'm saying you're that power, actually. You're that power that's greater than self. Yeah. For me, the higher power is always available at all times because it's right where I am. Yeah. And my experience of the third step isn't that 
I'm turning my will and life over to the care of a higher power of my own understanding. I've turned my will and my life over to the care of a higher power of its own understanding. So it's more revelatory, and I find out that the extent of that higher power than having it framed by my understanding. Because my understanding is going to, hey, if I get a parking space at the hospital, that's my higher power. You know? <laughs> I need a little more juice than that in my life. I like to have a, a sense of contentment and be able to enjoy peace of mind and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really like the way you stated that because um, <coughs> I was always growing up taught to uh, lean not to your own understanding, but trust into the higher power because if you get caught into your own mind, your mind will screw you over. So you have to be open-minded to really benefit from anything and let your ego go. Yeah. um, I I, I really like what you're saying here. Well, the thing is with the ego, if if you saw it not to be yours, yeah? If you saw it not to be yours, it may walk away instead of you having let go of it. I believe we're the thing that keeps everything glued. We're the gravitational pull that's keeping everything in place. Yeah. If you believe that you're that, well, here it is. When you believe you're that, this is what happens. When you recognize you're not that, you get freed from these situations. Yeah. Not saying this situation is wrong, but none of us were sitting at a at a coffee table with brochures for our next vacation in Alta Bates Hospital <laughs> rehab. We picked that little brochure. You know, it's not usually on the top ten favorite you know visitations in the Bay Area. <laughs> you know, its consequences how to bring us to this point where this has value. Yeah, I'd like not to have to go to places anymore. I don't, I'm not, it's weird, but I thrive in institutions. I did great in the last <laughs> but I don't really want to live in an institution in my life, the rest of my life. I just don't. Nothing wrong with them, I just don't want to live in that. So I had to find a way to live as if I was under a, uh, under a supervision, but not in a, like a form supervision. And that's that power that's greater than us. Yep. Do you make plans like for your day, or do you kind of live by like a moment-to-moment intuition? Well, both, really. I have plans. I had to come here today. <laughs> so, like, how I you succeeded. Between <laughs> like, um, you know, which thoughts do you say? These are my thoughts. This is my plan for my day, and uh, and maybe you know these these are my thoughts, and maybe I'm not going to listen to this plan. I'm going to go to kind of a higher intuitive power. Well, that's a that's a flavor you got to get used to. Yeah? There'll be some samples, and then you, after a while you get used to it. But it's not like they're my thoughts about the plans of my day. They're just thoughts about the plans for the day. Yeah? If these were my plans, I may not have liked, wanted to come here. <laughs> I was surfing, and I'd rather surf, you know, than come here. But these aren't my plans. This is what was on offer. This is like the seat assignment, and I've learned to show up for the seat assignment. Yeah? Because I'm taking wonderfully well when I do. When everything starts becoming my plans or my thoughts, things get weird. And anxiety arises because I, I have, I'm, I'm making 
the possibility that I'm okay now as a future event, as an expectation, and that's a giant heist of your attention. So I've recognized the beast of alcoholism, yeah? I've seen it head to toe, and it's all distilled into I'm not that. I don't know what I am, but I know what I'm not, and I'm not this mental construction that my head keeps assuming and inferring and implying, doesn't it? You never see it, do you? It's always inferring and implying. It's like an arthritic finger that's always pointing, but we've gotten lazy. We just make the leap itself to the moon that it's pointing at. We never see the moon. We just go, oh, you know, this happened, therefore it must have happened to me. Yeah, yeah, it's a big leap. And to me, it's a form of slavery. Yeah. What other thoughts, philosophies, thinkers, other influences affected your paradigm shift? Well, I don't know what affected them, but I, uh, I like the Course in Miracles. You ever heard of that? Course in Miracles was something that was transcribed through a psychiatrist in the 70s, not that long ago. I had, that had a big impact on me. And then uh, listening to, um, they call it non-duality. I don't like that name, but uh, the idea that all there is is this, that there isn't a, a this and that. There isn't a you and a me. Yes, there's just this. That had a big influence on me. And, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah? So, um I'm not sure what I heard about you talking about mindfulness. You, you don't. I did all. I did those things as practices. I don't. I don't see how you can be unmindful, really. <laughs> I'll tell you the truth. So you're here and you're present, and that's it. Isn't that the obviousness of it, really? Yeah. When I was a kid, I wasn't looking to take retreats or practice meditation. Yeah. I was right where I was because I hadn't entertained I could be anywhere else. Then I started entertaining some insane fucking ideas that I could be somewhere other than where I am, and all sh- the shit hit the fan. Yeah? Seriously. I mean, why would, my, why would I want my head to override what's happening with its take on, oh, this shouldn't be happening. <laughs> you know? To me, it's insane. And the thing, like, they talk about acceptance. Acceptance is the easiest thing in the world. You don't want to change anything as the way it is right now. But you can't accept in selfing. It's a byproduct of a realization. Then you start accepting, like, blue is blue and red is red, you know? The whole idea of trying to get into the moment, and then you read books, you know, how to get into the moment, and then the second edition is how to really get into the moment, (laughs) and then the third one is how to get into the moment in the turbocharged way, yeah? My sense is you can't be out of the moment, yeah? And the whole idea of getting out of self, to me, selfing is like a predator, a parasite, but it has you by you moving away from it. By you trying to get relief from it all day, that's how it has you. It's not like a lion and a sheep in, out in the field. You see, you know the predator and prey because the predator is ripping the throat out of the prey. This predator has you by you moving away. But you constantly thinking, I've got to get, I've got to get relief, I've got to get relief, I've got to get relief. Yeah. The relief did not come from, I did not get relief. I got relief from that, that incessant need to get relief. That's what I've been relieved of. I haven't gotten relief as that. I got relief from it. <laughs> yeah, so I don't have that incessant drive to get relief anymore. 
Yeah. And I'm so and then I can just be with what is because it is. <laughs> it's not like a big <laughs> philosophical judgment I've made. Hey, this is what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this wonderful way of thinking, and I think it's great. How, how did you acquire it? I mean, is it something that happened fast for you, or something that after you're done with your steps it came to you? Or well, I'll you tell you, I did the steps and everything, and then uh, obviously it's progressive. So I was getting out of more out of the, that center of self, and my life was looking the better for it. You know, not even so much my life, how I traveled over my life. I started traveling lighter. And then around 10 or 11 years sobriety, something happened where I got a big download about self as a foreign installment. And I really got a sense that it's like a parasite. And all of those ways I was expressing it was just trying to echo the hit that I'm not that. I just got that I wasn't, I wasn't the uh, image my mind was presenting. Yeah? I just wasn't. And so th- after that happened... It, was, it became like the last answer. When that occurred, I haven't had another answer since then. So I've just been entertaining this answer for the last 13 years. Yeah? And AA is a great way to entertain it. Because AA is a great way of life to keep the alcoholism subdued. Yes? Yes, the alcohol is in the mind. Yeah? You don't have a spiritual malady, I don't believe. You have a mental condition that's to- overamped. Yeah, you may think you're totally into your body, but it's usually just your mental image of your body you're into. You're not really into your body at all. You're just living up here. Yeah, when that when that interest and attention gets distributed in a different way, like a lot to spirit, let's say, and a lot to the body, and not so much to the thing, you have an aspect of the working mind that's valuable. Like when I have to do a job, it tells me put this together, do that, do that. And then when the job's done, it goes back down. The yapping doesn't take over. You should have done a better job. That sucked. Oh, no, 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 it doesn't. That doesn't interest me whatsoever. Yeah. Yes. Where has that led you? How much have you improved yourself with every second of being obsessed with yourself? Yeah. Or did it make you sicker? For me, it made me sicker. Yeah. And I was never going to let go of working on this if I saw it as me. There's no fucking way. The head was just sitting on top of it, going over everything, critiquing everything. I'll give you an example. When I was 11 years old, I walked into school one day. I was walking through the hall, and a girl said hello to me. And uh, I went home and wondered what she meant by it for five hours. (laughs) It was like the biggest event of many big events that day. And I looked at it in every possible way, but all defined by self-centeredness. That's the only way I could look at anything. That's the only way I could understand anything. I was totally captured by this system of thought and interpretation. And it was driving me fucking crazy. When I was a kid... And when I left that state and I grew into this state, this mental state, it was very uncomfortable all day. And I would do anything to get relief from it. And the relief never lasted, so I had to keep doing anything to get relief from it. And my avenue was to do drugs and drink. Other people do porno. Other people make money. Other people work like crazy. Who knows what? But to me, they're all forms of slavery to a system of thought and interpretation called self-centeredness. And if you question the center of it, you may get relief from the system. 
Are you that self? That's the center of the system. I don't believe so. Yeah. So when that self was weakened, the system weakened. I hear the thoughts, but I don't listen to them. I could care less, really. What overrides any thought is what I'm doing. (laughs) When it's sitting here going, I should be surfing, it's obvious that I'm dry right now. (laughs) And I'm in Oakland. That overrides what I think I should be doing. Because I am doing this. It's just really fucking practical. It's not like anything mystical or spiritual. It's just obvious. It's like dog shit awareness. You just become clear. (laughs) Hey, this is what's going on. Yeah. Now, while you're here, and your mind keeps saying you don't want to be here, what's that going to cause your experience of being here to be? Sucky, lousy, yeah? If you're listening to the head that has no power to take you out of here, in a sense, because you haven't left, it just keeps bitching, I don't want to be here, I don't want to be here. How powerless can it be if it's still here? I don't want to be here, I don't want to be here. This is the insanity of it, yeah? You're here. Check it out. There may be some value for you. But no, this the great oracle. No, there's nothing here for you. Then why the fuck are you here? Maybe something else is choreographing our life. Maybe something else is trying to get your attention. Maybe something else wants a better life for you than your head does. Maybe this could, like for me, Delancey Street, no matter how I didn't like it, I left that place two years later. I didn't like them. I didn't like the people in it. I didn't like their principles. But I had to admit that my life looked better than, with them running it than it ever did with me running it. Yeah? What I realized was when they saw me, they saw me as a you, an object who was a drug addict and an alcoholic. Right? While they were seeing me as that and treating me as that, I was doing great. In my head, I'm a me. I'm a very special person. Don't they know who I am? They knew exactly what I was. I wasn't the one who knew what I was. I had this giant story going. Yeah. They treated me exactly the right way. My life looked a lot better. As soon as, I, as soon as my head took over again, the me became dominant. I was fucked. I don't want to have to live in a, in a place. So I found another way. Through a program of the 12 steps of AA that introduced me to the possibility of a power greater than self. And I found that power to be residing right where I am, at, right at the time I'm there. So I have nothing to do to meet it. That's the beautiful thing. If you had something to do with it, you can fuck that up so easy. <laughs> you know, you didn't meditate enough. You know, whatever. You know what I mean? I, I only did one hour workout. I got to do two hours. There'd be so many requirements for your meeting that power. Yeah, if it's about you meeting a power. But if you are the power, there's no requirement. Experience real horsepower. Yeah, that's sort of what it's like. We've been, we've been running on fumes, bro. <laughs> we need some real horsepower. <laughs> you got an ass-kicking mule up there. You need a horsepower. <laughs> I love coming here to anywhere I'm asked because I love AA. I love the tribe of people. Because you have 
you're all miracle workers. You've made so much shit out of nothing. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> really. My hat's off to the power of mind that you've all exhibited so strongly. <laughs> and I'm still exhibiting it. Yeah. Can you imagine if we took that power and put it into the right hands, what it would do? Maybe your life will look a whole lot different. Yeah? You have to realize, we're thinking about what's not happening, and we're producing an effect. So there's that story about Jesus raising the dead, Lazarus, but at least Lazarus had one time been alive. We're making something out of nothing. <laughs> Causing incredible havoc and agitation right where we are. You could be at the most beautiful waterfall and be fucked up here. I've seen it. I've seen people's day change with one thought being held as theirs. One thought. Their whole complexion shifts. Yeah? Could you imagine if you took that power out of the mental realm and put it into another realm? Maybe it would pass. Great things would come to pass, like it says in AA. Great things will come to pass for those who sincerely take this position of relying on something greater than self. So check it out. Check what self is. And hopefully it will distill into it you're not that. And if you're not that, the mind can entertain being free finally from it. If you're not, if you're identified, it can only entertain being free as it, which is bondage to self. Yeah? It'll use the, the possibility of freedom as it to beat the hell out of you. But freedom from it is radical. Yeah. So, any more questions? Anyone back there? How you doing back there? All right. Yeah. Good. Yep. I don't have a question. I just had an observation that I noticed that there's a pretty hefty number of us here that have already graduated, whether it's two days, two weeks, or two months ago. And I just want to thank Leif for getting us switched on to you yeah. and your message. And I want to thank you for your shares. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We came back specifically to see you talk because Leif popped up on the YouTube and we're transfixed. So I really appreciate both of you. Oh, great. Thank you. Well, you know, they're all, the downloads are for free. And they're always available. Yeah. Sometimes they get out there, but... <laughs> if you read the book, it's all in there, in a sense. And, you know, the book, let's say the idea that Bill W. wrote it, yeah, but I feel it was a download in a way. And it's meant to be read, you know, and things are meant to add on to it. That's what it says. We're, this is just the beginning, and people will come and add on to it. I'm just trying to add on to it. I don't really believe obsession with self is the root of the problem. I think that's what the mind that's identified itself has to do to keep the identification in place. Yeah. For let's say if the identif- for what you are and what you're not, it's like water and oil. For them to be bonded together, it needs a lot of glue. Why do you think the thought system is the way it is? It's incessantly thinking. I believe that's the application of the glue. So it's the obsession with self is what glues us to the idea of being a self. But it's, there's so many gaps because it has to be applied so much because it's not a natural bonding, yeah? Yes? Do you have any advice for, for people who are struggling to find that higher power? Their spirit or what? Help other people. And then the higher power will find you. Because... 
See, sometimes they say in AA that you have to have it before you give it away. I don't believe that. I believe you've got to be willing to give it away, and then you'll have it. See? And then so you'll have us. If you're willing to help other people, then the power to help them will come through you. Because there's a bigger thing than me and you. <laughs> there is. There's a much bigger thing than me and you going on. I found this power. This is is it has a drive to express. So if you put yourself in a position to be used, you'll be used. And while it's moving through you, you'll get to know it in a sense. Yeah. That's what happened with me. I just put myself in a position to be used, and uh, and I was. Yeah. And in being used, it's sort of like the, the the water defines the hose, you know what I mean? If there's no water coming through, it's just a plastic tube. But the water moving through it gives it the sense of being a hose. It's a conductor or a deliverer of water. That's sort of, in a sense, what it was like in the first few years. I had a lot of commitments, and I did workshops, so I was, you know, I feel weird. I feel different every night, but I went to the commitment, and I had, like, a thousand uh, average, batting average, because I never showed up, you know? I just just had the seat assignment and showed up. Didn't take any of my mind's considerations enough, seriously enough, to stop me from showing up, and every time it would work, yeah? So I would be, service is incredibly important for people who have obsession with self, you got to get out of yourself. Get a flavor. So let's say you get out, you do service, and you get out of yourself. So what happens is you feel available. You know? you come out of the yes of self, and then you feel oh, you feel it feels <laughs> like you feel bigger and stuff. And then you sense what we sometimes call a higher power. You know, you sense a presence. You feel like you've been instilled with the spirit or whatever. Yeah. What would happen? But then. The self thing comes up again, and now you're back into the condition where you have to do service again, because now you're suffering from the obsession with self, yeah? What would happen is, if one time you got that sense of presence, and then you entertained, I may be that presence. Not what my mind keeps going back to, but what I've just realized, I may be that. So if I am that presence, then I'm always available, and then I'm of service, which is much different than not being available, yeah, and then doing service to get a hit of it, to be available, to be present, and to be of service is really cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you're welcome. Did you see the 12 steps on the video, that one? Yeah. Did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, everything changes. I just sat and did that in two days. So I didn't have any, I don't make any notes or anything. So if I did another one of them, I'd probably have all different things to say. <laughs> That's what I like about it. Yeah, it's just like a download. Yeah. Yes? Does, even, like, does your mind try and take you out of that, though? Of course it does. And tell you that you, you're weak? Uh, not, not based on this, no. <laughs> unique in a lot of other ways. Of course it does. The selfing doesn't stop. So how do you combat that? Like service? Like well, I don't... Uh, if I was obsessed in it, I would do service, yeah, but I'm not obsessed with it, so that's how I combat it. I've lost interest in it. To me, like it says in the book, your, uh, you know, your daily reprieve will be contingent on the maintenance of your spiritual condition. Yeah. Now, if you're taking yourself to be a mind or a body... 
to try to become spiritual as, the, as a mental condition or a physical condition is going to be difficult, yeah? But what would happen if you are a spiritual condition? Wouldn't that be the highest form of maintenance? I'm saying we are a spiritual condition. Yeah. The mental aspect doesn't take itself to be a spiritual condition. It takes itself to be a mental condition. And it doesn't think it's a physical body. It thinks it has a body. Yeah. When usually someone says, my body, it's not like they have a body. They have one. That's the mental uh, property. It's constantly owning and claiming things because it doesn't have anything of its own. Yeah? So, in my sense, the freedom comes from I'm not that. I hear it, but I don't listen to it. Because it's boring as hell, really. Yeah? Have you ever had someone come over to your house and talk about what wasn't happening to you? (laughs) You're bored in like a minute, aren't you? You're like, fucking Jesus Christ. (laughs) The same stuff in your head, you've been listening to it devotedly for 30 years. Why? One's yours, one isn't. The you, the my, is the disease. The act of being identified as. It's not an identification as. It's the act of being identified as. Yeah? It has to constantly be doing. You're never going to be yourself. You're something other than that. Yeah? You're not going to be a mental idea and you're not going to be a physical object. You're the awareness that's looking through the physical object. Yeah? Like, I had a, a, an Uncle Fred when I was nine years old. We have time? Yeah, we yeah. have time. Sure. When uh, he died and my mother took me to the funeral, and when I walked by the casket, it was an open casket, I looked in, and when I looked in, I realized that wasn't Uncle Fred. The body was there, but something had left. Let's say the spirit, yeah? Now, if you took that eye out of Uncle Fred's eye and put it in a live body, it would see, but it wasn't seen out of Uncle Fred's body anymore. Because the eye facilitates seeing. What's actually seeing? Yeah. I would say that's awareness or consciousness or spirit. Yeah. I would say we are of that more than of the body and the mind. And these are just possibilities. If your mind entertains it, you don't know how far it will go with it. Yeah. When you're entertaining you all day, it's like putting a marathon runner in a closet. It's fucking, <laughs> it's fucking really pissed and bored. <laughs> I swear to God, it's just been running around itself all day, year after year. We're letting it loose. You know? Hey, I may not be that. See, when you go to meetings and you hear people share, don't they sound like they're coming from where you come from? Some, really. They have the same thoughts, the same feelings, the same reactions to life. Don't you get it? They're not yours. We've all been taken over by a parasite that doesn't have an infinite amount of qualities. It has a very strict, limited characteristics, and they've been described in the big book. They've been described pretty damn well, so that you can recognize that you're not that. I hate it. Some, sometimes it's weird because it's like, um, you know, you can be looking at like I'm a vacuum salesman. Yeah. Now, I know your house is full of 
rugs, but you don't. You think you have hardwood floors, yeah? <laughs> so I'm giving you a really good pitch about the use of a vacuum, but if you believe you have hardwood floors, you're not going to be fucking interested in it. <laughs> I'm telling you, you better look down and check out where you're standing. <laughs> you may need a vacuum. <laughs> I got went surfing already. <laughs> I took care of business early. <laughs> I know myself. <laughs> That's another thing. Things can be very inclusive. It's not an either and or anymore in my life, where it always used to be either or. Now I can make money and do what I like to do and do this and do that. It's all included, you know. It's really cool. So earlier you talked about some of the things in your childhood and childish things in the mind and childish mind and things like that. Do you feel that that is like a major part of your recovery now is returning to yourself to those childish things of where you can go surfing and you can do those things that tap into that sort of basic mind where you're not like scatterbrained thinking about 10 million other things at the yes. same time. Yes, definitely. I had a strong impression of that wonder and awe when I was a kid. Then I outgrew it, and I grew into something else. I'd say a mental condition. And everything got darker and got way too much. And uh, I think every time I shot dope, like coke and everything, I was trying to go back there in a way. And um, you can't get back to somewhere you never left, really. Because my mind now really enjoys a lot of things here. It does. It's great. <laughs> it really does. Before it was never, I didn't enjoy much at all. You know, it was like insatiable. Always wanted more, 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 more. It was like demanding. It's a very demanding uh, uh, form of slavery. Yeah. Now I've been freed from that. And I'm just trying to share with what I believe I was freed from. Because I really believe you know the problem from the solution, really. You can't know the problem from the problem. You just can't. But when you when there's a relief from the when you get relief from the bondage of self, then you realize that's the problem. Because the relief matches exactly the absence of that relief when you're identified as that. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So I have a I'm very convinced that's why it's been the last answer for me. I'm convinced that most of like he says, most of our troubles are our own making, like it says in the book. I would I totally believe that. Yeah. Yeah, just as, and if this mind can shift, yours can shift. I have total faith in mind itself. It's like I really believe mind is like the sky out here. It's very open. All of this stuff appears in it, but nothing that appears in it affects it really. Your mind is as clear and clean as it ever has been and it ever will be. No matter what you've ever done, it's never an ink tattoo on it. Maybe a henna for a little while. But like you see things, if birds are out there, when they shit, they never shit on the sky, do they? You see clouds and and the rain falls, but the sky doesn't get wet, the earth does, yeah? Yet planes fly through here and they never call the terminal and say, I ran into a big chunk of sky, yeah? 
Because the sky is open, yet everything is allowed to appear in it. I would say your mind is like that. I really do. And, you know, the parasite, when it comes over, it's like pulling a shade, a, a paper shade over it. And then you seem, you only seem to be a distance from the sunlight of the spirit. But I, it's, I believe it's sort of like if I was sitting here and I wanted to get sun, then the clouds would have an influence on me. They could block me from the sun. Yeah. But if I'm on the sun side, I still see the clouds, but they don't have any influence on me. Yeah, because I'm in the sun side. This is sort of like it. When you're on the sun, when you're in the, spirit, the sunlight of the spirit, yeah, you see the shade. Yeah, when you seem to be in the darkness of this disease, you see the shade, but in from the darkness. Yeah, and the shade seems to be blocking out of the light. Now I'm in the light, and I see the shade. Yeah, but from the light's point of view. And then you can recognize the truth about the shade, and then it's very easy to let it go. It's only being held, you know, down by a certain mental gravity. If you're not that, the shade goes up, and you've been on the other side your whole life. Yeah. And all the court cases I lost in my head, they've been annulled in this court of light. They have. I've been let off my own hook, and probably the biggest hook you're on is your own. That's, I just could not my head was so right about what it did there was no way I'd ever get relief I had this one I share I used to have a story I got run over by a car I got run over twice in one night only an alcoholic <laughs> <laughs> I hit by the car the guy didn't know he hit me he backed up over me <laughs> so but I, I was running around and I came to California I was running around like a junkie and I would use this story that when I get this money from the you know the uh, the insurance I'll pay you guys back and then I also had this this story I was telling me I'm going to give my mother money when I get the money you know so to give myself a little bit of feeling good after when I was thinking I was doing all these bad things so four or five years went by and I got the money came but not as much as I thought and I had to fly back to New York, to, and they weren't going to give it to me all at once because my, <laughs> my, family, my mother and my family knew who I was. So they were going to give me a little bit at the time. So I drove back there, and uh, I got the first installment. I bought like a half a pound of Coke, you know. <laughs> and I was driving out to the oh Hamptons, God, no. and I drove right by my mother's house, and I didn't stop, yeah. But I had this, this whole belief that I was going to give her money just went out the window. There was no way I ever was going to get released from that. No way. No way. If I, you know, with any sense of being that, who did that, there was no way. And I had tons of cases against me like that in my own little court. Then this occurred. I realized this is a disease. I'm powerless over it. I would do. Any, it's sort of like dancing with a gorilla. You stop when it wants to stop. Yeah. <laughs> so the sense of what I did and didn't do wasn't so moral anymore. It was just like if the only way you could stop me is physically or getting me arrested. I would have done what I did to you to anyone else. It wasn't personal. Yeah. And I really got relief from that idea that this is a disease. But the real relief when I was not that. You know. Court cases were all dismissed, and I've been freed from my own uh, convictions, really. So, no matter how heavy anyone else is on you, you're the heaviest one, I found. Yeah. And you're not going to let it up. 
the dynamic has to shift. You're not going to win any cases. And you're never, never going to be paroled or on probation. Never. It just keeps bringing you to court for every fucking day, convicting you of some other offense. Yeah, so, yes. I know I've One more question. For, Go ahead. I know I've been here for a meeting, but I'm still confused about the, you know, self and me. Yeah. Me and the self. I mean, what? All right, How so. How can you say that easily so I can just absorb that or, or all right, yeah. understand well, that? Let's have the feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Like a man of its own island, you, yes? That feeling. So when I do something, there's a feeling that I'm the one who did it, yeah? Whether it's physical or mental or whatever. Yeah, there's always a vague feeling that it's you somehow thinking. See, sort of like this. Let's say if I came in here and I started talking about uh, this burrito I didn't digest from yesterday. You know? <laughs> Everyone would laugh. I go, I'm sorry, I got to go away for a while. And I got some cookies earlier too. I didn't digest. Everyone go, ha ha ha. But the same thing, a much subtler process of the body mind. We're taking to be the one who's doing it, thinking. Yeah, that feeling of being the doer is a very very important aspect of the sense of being a self. Yeah. When you're actually seeing thoughts, awareness is seeing thoughts, yeah? You're not thinking them. There's no you who's a thinker, just like you're not digesting the food in the body. You can't even shit when you want to, but do you believe you could change your own thoughts? Give me a break. They're not yours, first of all. So this sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, being the doer or the haver of things. So if you see the movement of selfing in one's head, it's always claiming. So a feeling is never seen as a feeling. It's my feeling. Thought, my thought. Yeah? Action, my action. Idea, my idea. Past, my past. Future, my future. Yeah? Girlfriend, my girlfriend. Problem, my problem. That's the movement of selfing. Yeah? And all that movement, all it does is point to a phantom you. You never see it, but all you do is get transfixed by all the pointing. And then the mind does its leap itself. It goes, oh, I am that. Yeah? But there's no real proof in it. We're just trying to short-circuit it. Yeah? So when a thought comes, maybe entertain it as an alcoholic thought. You'll get a little space from it. Yeah? When a feeling comes, maybe it's just a sensation. Yeah? And then watch the mind, how it claims everything. Yeah? And that's the act of being a self. But it's a vague feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, a body. Yeah. That has control over yes. everything. Well, you, you think so. Everything that you think you <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's like the biggest unspoken step of the book is playing God. Have you ever seen that? No. And right before step three, and if you see the steps, they're a linear procession, right? One, two, three. You don't want to do step nine when you're on step one. You're not ready. Yeah. So, so okay. So, in the, when they're leading up to step three, which is the big concept of AA, it says, first, quit playing God. It doesn't work. Next, in the drama of life, is you surrender your willing life over the care. So the first thing, to me, has more importance than the next. Yeah. That's what selfing is doing. It's playing God. The mental realm is playing God in us. Yeah. It's telling us what it's going to be like, what it was like, what we're like, what they're like, what that, that, yeah? All freaking day, it's playing God. 
Now it says quit playing God. Try to quit playing God. That would be playing God. Yeah? So, but what if you're not that which is playing God? That could be the true quitting of playing God if you're not that which is playing God. Yeah? If you're not that which is playing God, that could be the experiences of quit playing God. Because you'll lose interest in the God playing. Once you lose interest in the God playing, that God juice that you're giving over the selfing all day will come back and rest, yeah, in your life. And that same attention that's causing, in a way, your discomfort will enrich your life when it's freed from that obsession, yeah. That's that what we're looking at. narrator hmm? in my head yes. that's telling me everything. Yeah. We're saying what it's, who it thinks it's talking to isn't you, and you're not the one that's talking. Yeah, you're neither the object of what well, that's has to be two things, right? Because it's talking to someone. Exactly, right? exactly. And who is the talker? Is the self, and who is the listener? Find out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to call it here. Like you did something to achieve it, because it's all on you. Yeah, this message is that it's not all on you. That to me is what works. Yeah. If it was on me, I'd never be enough. And if this was really me, I'd have to work on it every day. Because it has many, many faults, many, many blind spots, and stuff like that. It would be a never-ending project. But when I lost interest in it because it wasn't me, I could leave it fucking alone, you know? And the body responds a lot better without this mental aspects sitting on it all day yeah it's like that the I, the you and the me the me is the mental take of you and the I the I is just let's say the spirit or awareness the you is the physicality so the physicality allows the the non-physicality to have an experience here this is what allows it to have an experience the mental process tries to hijack that by claiming it's the one who's having the experience so the mental project process doesn't have anything of its own, so it has to claim everything that happens through the body and through consciousness. Yeah. So its main movement is claiming. That's what it does. I like to use it to represent that with the mind. Yeah. So a thought system, I'm the thinker. Yeah. Actions, I'm the doer. Feelings, I'm the feeler. It has to co-opt everything. And for that to occur, it has to forget what's actually occurring, which is consciousness and contact. So what does it do? It claims to be the one who's conscious. Yeah? In other words, it's like doing consciousness, just like it thinks it's doing thinking. But if you really see it, you're not doing any thinking, do you? You can sit down and think when you have a project, but usually thoughts just appear. They come to attention or to light, and then they, there's a download of meaning. Unfortunately, you don't know it's the meaning coming from the sense of being you that injects it and then it downloads as if it's the thought that brought it, but it's not the thought. The thought's the carrier of your meaning. Yeah, You, you inject it by the mind. What you represent in self-centeredness is all these old ideas and thoughts and everything. Yeah, With the bridge of mind, with any activity, thinking, feeling, doing... When it's, I'm doing it, I'm thinking it, I'm feeling it. That I, which is representing Paul at that moment, 
the self-centeredness is downloading meanings into everything I'm doing, feeling, thinking, like that, yes? And therefore, you're living in your own fucking dream. You've forgotten you're dreaming it, and you've given everything you've dreamt all the power to affect you. That's what's happening all day, yeah? When I heard this, it rang true. It, it applied to my own life. I saw it. Yeah? I saw the functionality of this place. Not the particulars, not clouded with all the personalness of it, but the patterns of it and how things work here. Yeah? Like the Course of Miracles says, it's projection first and perception. In my daily experience here, it's perception. Yeah? I believe you're a solid, real thing with your own meaning. I don't see that my mind's projecting a meaning on you. But when I heard it, I saw it. When I heard that expressed to me, I saw it. I saw, shit, that's what I've been doing all my life. This mind's been giving meaning to things through me. I don't see that aspect of it. All I see is the thing, and it looks like it has the meaning. Yeah? But as soon as you hear the understanding, sometimes it resonates and you get it. You go, Jesus Christ. And then it goes, bum, 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 yeah. So that's what was happening, yeah? It's sort of like waking up. Waking up from the dream. I heard that. That was lesson two of the Course in Miracles. It blew my mind. I heard it, and I practiced that lesson two. And every time I practice it, when it, and the lesson is you and I give everything the meaning it has and one of the ways you practice it is you look very uh, comfortably not with concentration around the room and everything you see you say that I've given everything I've given this all the meaning it has yeah? and so what happened is when I started doing that I have the experience of the conscious contact without any meaning and then I see the meaning being given it so I got to see the process where before I was only at the end line of the process. I never saw the process. I was at the end of the process, yeah? I was reacting to the to the end of the process. Now I was seeing the process. Yeah. That's what I love. That's what happened. I heard things from different places and when I entertained them, I could see it as an activity, not as as a real thing, that it was made up. Yeah. And once you see once, the principle expands. You go, oh, Jesus, I gave that thing the meaning it has today. I give everything the meaning it has. Yeah? The mind expands on it. It's not like you only give, oh, I, I gave this one thing the meaning it had today. No. All, what's happening is you're giving everything the meaning it has all day. What? How am I going to know that? See it in one one event. See it in one event, the mind goes bing, and opens up, and then you, your mind expands to entertain that principle. So I'm giving everything all the meaning it has. Jesus Christ. The same thing with what's not happening. <laughs> you know? Jesus Christ. What's not happening is there's thoughts about something going to happen to me. The mental process pictures me as a body, places me somewhere else at some other time, thinks about it, and therefore it provokes a feeling right now. Oh, Jesus Christ. The only I never knew that. All I knew was, I feel uncomfortable. I want to get high. 
<laughs> I didn't see why I felt uncomfortable. Is because I was taking my, myself to be a fixed object. My mind was playing with, putting it everywhere else at other times, thinking about it. And I would, my attention was going here. This is what I love about the message. If you hear it, one little thing can expand into an incredible wealth of knowledge. Yeah? And if you can, if in some level you can take it as a foreign installment or a parasite or something other than you, I'll tell you there'll be breathing room in your life. You'll start having some space around it. Yes? You won't be in that claustrophobicness that's driving you to get relief. And it gives you all these fucking ignorant ways to try to get the relief. Yeah? When the relief doesn't come from a solution from the problem. The relief comes from recognizing the problem. It doesn't come from a solution that came from the problem. That's not where relief is. Relief is seeing the problem and realizing you're not that. And maybe you won't be driven to get relief all day. Maybe you'll be entertaining relief. Talk number two is over.